Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, thanks for being with us. First and Pod, Andrew Filipponi, Danny Parkins. Subscribe, rate, review every team, every game, every week. And we're past the bye weeks at this point, so everyone's playing. We're recording this. At the end of Niners and Seahawks. My condolences, by the way. To the Geno? Yeah. 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 The Niners are good. (laughs) They're really good. And the Seahawks defense is really, really bad. Again. So so I don't want to make any, like, grand Brock Purdy proclamations which I feel like some of the talking head shows will do on Friday and be like not that he's great but just like oh I wonder if the Niners found their franchise quarterback with the last pick or man Brock Purdy maybe he'll be the one holding the Lombardi trophy at the at the end of this like nothing about this game really even though he was efficient told me that it was Brock Purdy there were a lot of like wide open throws that he made uh but I do think the Niners can win. I'm not win at all. I'm not saying it's because of the quarterback, but the team is just so damn impressive. And I felt that way the whole time, honestly. Well, Bill Cowher has already brought up Tom Brady as a six round pick and what he was able to do. So he would not be the biggest name to go off the deep end here with Brock Purdy compared. No, I don't, like I said, I very little of this has to do with Purdy. He just, he just didn't make mistakes. Which honestly makes the Trey Lance trade up all the more confusing because I talked to a lot of people in the NFL that say Kyle Shanahan's system, pretty much any quarterback can go in there and play well. Well, then why the F did they give up so much to get a guy that hadn't played real football in like two years? It still okay, makes so that. I keep, I keep hearing this argument and I don't remember if I said this on the last pod with you or not, but I, I obviously covered Andy Reed for a while. Andy Reed was this quarterback whisperer, this quarterback maximizer, right? He won with Donovan McNabb. He won with Mike Vick. He won with Kevin Cobb. He won with Jeff Garcia. He won with Alex Smith. But he still wanted the elite talent that he could mold, Pat Mahomes. And as soon as he got him, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, a Super Bowl, an MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP before he was 25. Like, Kyle Shanahan's not seen as a quarterback whisperer in the same way that Reed is, but he is seen as a guy who even without anything special at quarterback has been able to produce. And he still wanted to take a swing at something special and something that he could mold 
from the beginning. So I feel like if the offensive genius who is successful without the great quarterback still tries to move the mountain for the great talent at quarterback, my guess is they know more than us on this. And if Kyle Shanahan actually had a special talent at quarterback, they'd be by far the best team in the NFL. You know, he'd be 15 and two, like that type of thing. So everyone is saying like, oh, then don't try to get something special at quarterback. My thinking is that Shanahan's probably like, yeah, you, you're you impressed with what I'm doing without anything special. Imagine what it would be like if I had somebody. Well, and, and, the, and, and the defense is really the bigger story there because it's the best in yes. the league. Yes. And that's not that's not considered to be Shanahan's calling card. And plus, Salah had left you know, a couple of years ago to become the Jets coach. And now it looks like Ryan's the defensive coordinator there now even in a league that skews higher the offensive guy's head coach is probably going to leave the nest next and become a head coach this offseason. But, you know, the the Purdy thing, I was making fun of the guy up until this game. I was saying things like, he reminds me, remember Kyle Allen in Carolina a couple of years ago? Yeah. Like, I remember watching Good Morning Football. I don't know why this just seared into my brain. And Peter Schrager, like, ranked him as ahead of Josh Allen as, like, quarterbacks from that draft class like mid-year that happened I wish we could like find that because people do that with me I want to find a picture of that and just anytime he tweets an opinion just put that out underneath (laughs) it you know what I mean yeah yeah um so I I did think some of that was going on with Purdy in those first game first game and a half but for as bad as Seattle's defense is Danny they do have an elite corner and it was a road environment in Seattle, and I was not sure how he was going to handle that. I thought that that me on a short week, he wasn't completely healthy, that he might freak out and panic. But to his credit, he didn't. So, uh, One more thing that I, I want to kind of revisit here. Christian McCaffrey is just stringing together great games. Yeah. And we talked a lot about that trade and whether or not it was an overpay. I liked it more than you did given the position of the team, but they are a team and a system to your point where a bunch of different levels of caliber of talent that running back have produced. But then you again, put an elite talent in there and I think it's three straight. It might be four straight, like really strong games from McCaffrey. Um, It might not end up mattering with the quarterback injury and how good Philly is. And we'll see what type of production he can have, you know, on the road in Philly, if we get that NFC championship game against that defense, but you have been able to, if, if you could do anything against Philly, you could run against them. McCaffrey might end up with the Debo Samuel injury with the quarterback injury. He might end up being like the most important offensive player in the NFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is absolutely in play. If San Francisco makes a run here. Yeah. And one note, final note on Seattle. Okay. This really, this loss makes it more likely that we get all four NFC East teams in the wild card. I mean, in the playoffs. And I think from a matchup perspective, outside of Dallas, Tampa Bay, which we said would just do incredible ratings, even if Tampa Bay's like eight, nine or whatever. Uh, Minnesota Giants. San Francisco, Washington. I mean, those are just do those, those are games. Dead. Those are not great games at all. No, they're terrible games. I'd rather have Seattle and Detroit just for the fun factor 
of what both of those offense offenses and offenses can potentially do in a one uh, situation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, we talked about it last week. The Lions would be favored over. I said all but three NFC teams. You said all but four, and Seattle obviously has the Geno story. So yeah, they are both much more interesting than the third and fourth teams in the NFC East. All right, let's get to the slate. Dolphins Bills are probably the highest profile game. Bad weather. Dolphins coming off just a couple of duds. Do you think the Dolphins are screwed in this spot? Do you think this is the the reckoning for them? That's what it feels like going into it. That this is where the bottom falls out for them and like everybody gets on your very early hey, here comes the reckoning with their schedule with these three road games and you called it and I hopefully you made money off of that. That wasn't just you saying it. Hopefully you backed it up with your bets. I have. But, good. But I didn't think that this game, doesn't this feel like everyone's underestimating? The total's 43 and a half. There was oh, a not, not out- when I bet it, buddy. I bet, I, I, bet, I bet over at 42 and 42 and a half. Well, the, that might end up being like 35 because they're supposed to get a blizzard that night in 40 mile per hour winds. This might turn into a Patriots Bills Monday night game. The forecast is kind of vacillated on how bad it was going to be. And so, so yeah, I was bragging on the number at 42. And if the forecast goes against me, you'll be right. And if the forecast is better than expected, that and what does be- Buffalo do in that situation? If it's really that bad of a weather game, do they still say, hey, Josh, run it 10 times in these conditions and just blast into their front seven? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it, yes. And how f- effective is he going to be throwing? Obviously, they're much more of a passing team than a running team. I just, I think that the Dolphins offense can still be, it, it is still fine. It just got very overrated playing against bad teams. Well, is the Bills offense overrated right now? Uh I mean I I think they turn the ball over too much to be a great offense, but I mean, aren't they the highest scoring offense it other than Kansas City, right? They're the highest scoring offense in the AFC. Oh, in the AFC, they might be cuz I don't think Cincinnati's caught them yet. But I yeah, thought you meant, I, like I, not in the NFL. Philly's averaging a lot more points than they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. But I think I think in the AFC, it's still Chiefs than Bills. I mean, it's been a while since he had a three hundred yard game. He's yeah, not had a great game in a while. So no, both have been trending down for sure, which is why the totals lower and then the weather and the whole thing. But I I think it's a little bit of an overcorrection. I think I think goofball McDaniel goes in there and wins like a twenty to thirteen game. With a make it colder t-shirt. He's blasting the air conditioner. I want to see him win this game. I really do. I I liked him from the beginning. Yeah, he's great. Cowboys, Cowboys, Jaguars. Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. Odell Beckham still doesn't have a job. You like this move? No, because I didn't even know T.Y. Hilton was still interested in playing football. The only reason I did is because... The Bears receiving core was so pathetic before the season. We were like, what veteran? Like, they need an adult in the wide receiver room. Who's available? Oh, T.Y. Hilton hasn't <laughs> filed his retirement papers. 
They hired Matt Eberflus. He knows him from Indianapolis. Maybe that'll work. And they didn't. But even now you him. feel like you're validated on some level that like a contending team brought in a guy that you thought about for the Bears. We talked about him in like August. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's the only reason I knew that T.Y. Hilton wasn't officially transitioning to whatever his post career is going to be in football. But uh, I think that for all of the column inches and airtime that was dedicated to Odell Beckham, there will be like one one millionth of them dedicated to T.Y. Hilton. And the reality is they probably will have roughly the same amount of production for the Cowboys with T.Y. Hilton playing and Odell Beckham not being in the NFL. Like I don't, I don't see veteran olds coming off injury, coming out of football, T.Y. Hilton for a run first offense where he's going to be like at best the fourth option in the passing game because of how much Dak likes throwing to Dalton Schultz. Like I just, I don't really see a scenario where T.Y. Hilton's a difference maker. Yeah. And then Beasley in Buffalo too. It kind of feels like to me that teams obviously watched what Odell did in LA last year and what Antonio Brown did in Tampa the year before that. And it's like, Hey, both of these Super Bowl winning teams added these veteran receivers to just add to their team and add even another weapon late in the year. Why don't we do the same thing? And I would just be stunned if Hilton really makes a difference. There's almost like Jerry Jones had teased his fans and made it seem like they really needed another wide receiver all year. And he felt like he had to give them something. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just throw a dart. Maybe it hits. If not like minimal upside, but really no downside. So yeah, just, just take a shot. Speaking of Dallas, I loved what Micah Parsons said about Jalen Hurts. Do you think he's right? So this is a, so do I think he's right? So do I think that that Parsons brings up something about like what really like how we should pick the MVP award? I, I think he does. Yeah. Like you're saying you like it more because like I'm not intimidated by you. I want to get in your head before we play you guys. Both reasons. Both reasons. One, I am always pro trash talk. Like the guy on the the tackle on the Eagles was like, we don't play the Chicago Micah Parsons this week. We pay, play the Chicago Bears. Like he should worry about his team. We'll worry about ours. Like, man, F that. That's boring. That's that's what coaches are supposed to do. Like yeah. Micah Parsons is just like hanging out loose with Von Miller, trying to be funny. And he talked trash and it was awesome. So like two thumbs up for the trash talk component and the rivalry. And even if he was like, I'm not trying to make enemies. Like, yeah, whatever. It was fun. It's funny. Sports needs more of that. So love that. But then also, I've been talking about it all week on the show because like our big thing has been, and everyone's talking about like, how are the Bears going to turn Justin Fields into Jalen Hurts? And the Eagles have surrounded Hurts with the best offensive line in football. And they failed with Jalen Rager and they missed on drafting Justin Jefferson, but then they drafted Devontae Smith and they took another Mm -hmm. shot with A.J. Brown and running backs and offensive line head coach. They've done everything possible to surround Jalen Hurts. And his numbers are great, and his production is great, and he looks great. But I feel like there are like 40 quarterbacks in the world who would look really good in Philadelphia. Well, I was just going to say, I think if you put Fields on the Eagles, they probably have the same record. That's – especially if it's next year's version of Justin Fields. So, I don't think he can be – so, that would would work against him for me 
in the MV in the MVP voting. For, for me too, man. Like Matt and just think about the guy he's competing with. Like forget Fields. That's just because I was talking about it on the radio show in Chicago. What do you think Pat Mahomes' numbers look like if he's on the Eagles? Yep. The guy would have six thousand passing yards. Now, I will say that the the one the the one thing I will disagree with you on in terms of Parsons is that there is a huge component for me of man. Everybody gets everybody looks at the Cowboys as a team that there's too much talk and there's not enough walk. They've literally been that team for like thirty years. And you're only making it worse when you go out there and do and say or do something like this. If it were flipped and the Cowboys were in first place and they had beaten the Eagles this year, and Parsons is like, nah, man, he's not the MVP. F that. Look at the team around him. I'd like it more. But dude, you're the Cowboys. Like, you guys talk shit all the time. Terrell Owens, you never fucking got it done. Last year, you let San Francisco come into your building. And fucking beat you. Like, I mean, Michael Parsons just doesn't give a shit about Terrell Owens. Like, he's hanging right. out with Von Miller. Well, he's he's bit- punching up, right? Like, he's they're the first place team. I'm not afraid of you. He's trying well, to fine. His- he can talk shit if he wants, but I can make fun of him for it when they haven't won dick. I mean, I'm allowed to do that. Well, you're allowed to do whatever you want. I just but that's but that's a I have that's a long-standing a- rule of being pro trash talk. Fair enough, but like it's not hard to rebuttal what he's saying in terms of, dude, scoreboard yourself. You might have a defensive rookie of the year award and you might have a defensive player of the year award coming your way. But, bro, you played for the Cowboys. You played for a team that is notorious right now for always choking in big games. You might yeah, want to win one of those before you talk shit. That's all. Yeah, oh, fair, fair, fair enough. I, 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 that, would, that would be a great... I mean, if a Bears player said... Fuck Aaron Rodgers. He sucks. You'd be like, dude, how about you beat him one time before you bust his balls a little bit? Uh, I would say that, but I would also say thank you for the content. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't look at content gives horse in the mouth. Thank hey, you for the, the content. Way- now I'm going to rip you for providing us with this content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, what you just said, it would have been awesome if someone on the Eagles would have said that about Parsons as opposed to their like, Man, we have the Jaguars this week. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Get it, get it, get into the rivalry. All right, next game. Bengals Bucks. How much of Tampa's struggles should be blamed on Tom Brady specifically? His play. So I think more than he's actually getting blamed for. And here's my reason why. He can't move. So right. even though their offensive line is bad. And I do, I yeah, but I do think still given the receivers that they have, I do think some quarterbacks would play well there. We just talked about one. If you put Justin Fields in that offense, they're scoring more than 17 points per game. I'm convinced of that. Oh, he's well, running. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's scoring more than 17 points per right. game in this offense. He's running around. He's <laughs> yeah. throwing to Godwin and Evans and Gage and those guys, and they're 100%. much better. <laughs> so much better. So when I hear the offensive line sucks and now Byron Leftwich sucks after he was so good last year that everybody was cool with just letting Bruce Arians go and promoting Bowles to head coach because Brady evidently didn't want to play for Arians anymore. Well, okay. To me, like you can't have it both ways with this. 
you can't let Brady off scot-free with this where when he's a statue back there and that only compounds the issue with their offensive line. Yeah, I think that that's all totally fair and he probably deserves a little bit more criticism than he's getting and there's probably not a ton of actual like X's and O's criticism around him because he's the GOAT and then because of like the salacious divorce commitment to football, where's he going to play next year stuff and because his arm actually has looked pretty good. Like when he gets protection and he is throwing his arm the last few weeks has actually seemed to look a little livelier uh, to me. So like he never was mobile, you know? So, and then, so then the offensive line for, falls around him. It's like in order for Tom Brady to be successful, he needs to be on a good a team with a good offensive line. So I think that it's like, well, what do you expect? Of course, when the offensive line is bad and gets injured, that's not, that's not the design. Like, you know, if, if he plays for a different team next year, he will only be choosing teams with good offensive lines yep. because that's just what you get with Tom Brady. But it's also true that there are probably 15 quarterbacks, just to a random number that would be able to over to be able to compensate for what's going wrong in Tampa. That's like a sneaky fun game, by the way. I really like Tampa. I, I really like Cincy, uh, by the way. I feel like that's the square bet of the year right there. Yeah, I agree. Hello. Hi. That's me. Yeah. yeah. I will I will be on Cincinnati in that spot. Um okay. Do you think Lamar Jackson in a quiet moment, not in front of a microphone, a teammate, financial advisor, saw what happened to Kyler Murray and has second thoughts about playing the rest of the season? Uh, so we've talked a lot, you have, especially about how he's just like in this weird world and bubble about stuff like his contract. And it's like, no, I'm just going to go out there and play and not think about the risk. Yeah. I do think that this changes some of that for him. So I'm going to answer that question. Yes. And I think that a lot of people reached out to him to tell him as much. So I do think so that, let's, that let's, let's play it out. Let's think about this. Let's say he plays this week. Like, let's say he was playing. This week, next week, whatever. And that happened. He tore his ACL. What do you think happens this offseason? So, okay, that's a great question. Do you think that the Ravens still put the franchise tag on him? I do. So they're going to pay him what would be what? Like $40 million or $35 million, somewhere in that range to maybe not play much this year? Yeah, because I don't because th- you can't lose the asset for nothing. So you know what I mean. I, I I think he. I think he's at the point where now, if he suffered like an even worse injury, you know, which is super rare, but like you know, if he had a compound fracture, the bone was sticking out of his leg, you know ruptured the Achilles, you know what I mean? Something like where like the, the athleticism and the recovery and the career was like legitimately in doubt, like injuries that are super rare. They, we go a season without having one sometimes, you know? Um, But like, if you had like a Willis McGahee injury, you know, then maybe that changes it. But I, I think if he tore his ACL, I think he still gets the tag. You're probably right, but like I'm sitting here 
now like reevaluating some of the things I haven't really said a lot about it, but just some of the things I've thought about Kyler Murray. And I just know when that happened, I was thinking to myself, like, man, is he like, I already have some questions about him as a quarterback. Now he's got a lower body injury and I'm going to be even more skeptical of him. But, you know, why should I put so much thought into a torn ACL being a career it's not changer for guys. Yeah, I know. It, it it it's not with, but but it also can't be totally taken for granted, um, because the vast majority of guys come back now, but there still are the occasional ones where it it'll happen again. Or oh, one of my have- best fr- one of my best friends, Zach Banner, was the Steelers' starting right tackle who tore his ACL in New York on Monday Night Football and lost his career because of it. Yeah, so Tariq Cohen on the Bears. Yeah, another Never good came example. Back. Yeah, yeah, and it was all about agility, short area quickness. He was rehabbing; it popped again. That was it, and it and it's done, and he's out of football forever. Um, so yeah, it's like I, I don't know what the numbers are, but probably nine out of ten regain a hundred percent of athleticism as long as you're still like young, you know, and maybe the older guys regain X percentage of athleticism but still come back. But there's a small percentage that don't. But I, for Lamar specifically, I don't, I honestly don't think that type of injury would change anything for him, as crazy as that is. 